It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Happy sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you It's me, Kelechi, the baby girl in the place to be, and you are listening slash watching SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, suck your mum. And we're back for another week. And I'm so hot. Like, so every week it seems like I've got some kind of technical higgy hagger that I'm dealing with. Last week I didn't have a charger for the MacBook. Now I do have a charger. I ordered one from Apple. And I've got it. So that's sorted. This week, I can't find my remote for this Dyson fan. So if I turn it on, it's only going to give me heat because I initially got it because I was cold at the office. Now I'm hot. I can't. Jesus! Come and save me now. Come and save me now. So if I'm sweating like a Christmas goat, you know exactly why. I can't be asked to even try and open the windows to this to this office feels like I'm confined um talk about that later um how have you been friend how have you been what's your week been like my week has been what have I done I thought I went to go and watch Tambo and Bones Ooh, baby I think I've got that in Show Your Magnificence so let me not get ahead of myself but I went to watch Tambo and Bones and it was an absolute mood um I'm not going to waste too much time. Oh, these are my notes because I went on TV. Well, that's what I did do. I went on Sunday morning live today, which is Sunday. I record on a Sunday. And it was to discuss, should police be tougher on crime? And uh, it's just such dog whistle terminology. And it's interesting, those shows, because they were like, oh, we all agree that police need more money. To, uh, no, we don't all agree. We do not all agree on that statement. Encro chat, spy cops. Like um, the gang matrix, um, even the higgy hagger nature of Operation Trident. Like there are so many instances that you can look at where it's just like mm, maybe police shouldn't have the pa- the powers that they have. Um, Denise, um, Denise, what's his name? Dennis Jaffers, uh, Jamie Lewis, uh, David Carrick, uh, Wayne Cousins, Michael Lockwood. That I spoke about yesterday or yesterday last week. Who was the head of the IOPC? There are there are reasons for us to believe that policing isn't the way to go. And even those who are meant to be overlooking or overseeing the police, even them, they don't fuck up. Everybody don't fuck up. So, you know, that's my stance. You know, put more money into things that benefit the community. Provide safer housing, provide education, provide health care, provide the things that people are asking for. Help disabled people. Give mental health services a boost. There are so many things you could be doing rather than funding the fucking police. But, you know, whatever. And then the show, they ended the segment with like, oh, well, you know, let's not get um, into politics. Let's not get political about this. What do you mean? Baby, what do you mean? Policing, even the first four letters of the thing, or is it five letters of the thing? Four letters of the thing 
is similar to politics and you're like, let's not get into it. Policing is part of politics. So I just, I find it, I'm so sorry. I find it really, really stupid when people are like, it's ridiculous when people go, oh, um, I don't really talk about politics or I don't post any politics on my page. Oh, don't, let's not get too political. Like, what the fuck do you mean? We're political by design because look at the life, look at the world that we live in. So when you say, oh, should police be tougher on crime? And then you say, let's not get into politics. Then what are we getting into? What are we getting into, Gary or Amala? What are we getting into? I'm already raising, I'm already raising the de- decibels of my esophagus to prove this point. But it just stresses me out. Because here I am, a baby girl doing baby girl things, where I can intellectually run rings about, around a lot of people. I don't have a show. Well, I have this show, and it's a cute show. Ow. But, you know, like, I look at these TV platforms, and I'm like, how? No disrespect, but how the fuck did you get a job? But then I realised, like, if you toe the line, and again, no disrespect, but if you toe the line, there are certain places that you can reach in life where other people who talk the things as they are won't reach. And I don't need to be on those platforms. Like, this is the cutest platform going. Like, when people get to know them, who no no go no. That's, that's it. Who no no go no. One day, them go no am. They go no me. Or more, I will blow. I don't blow, in fact. Once you blow, they just don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, that was just wild scenes. And then the ex-police officer who's like, don't get me wrong. We need to be tougher on crime and we need stop and search. But you're never going to be affected by stop and search as a white man. You're re- the likelihood of you being affected by stop and search as a white man is so minuscule. So why are you talking? Why are you talking? Reserve the bass in your voice for things that require it because this ain't it. Who was going to stop and search David Carrick when he trigger warning? Um, what eighty-five counts? Eighty-five crimes he's been um charged with. Michael Lockwood. Who was stopping searching him, raping a child allegedly? Uh, Dennis Jaffers, whatever his name, Jaffers or whatever his name is, and Jamie Lewis when they took pictures of um Nicole Smallman and Biba Henry of their dead bodies. Like, who was stopping and searching them? The, the crime? The crime is right under your nose. Pay attention. Pay attention. Go and stop and search your blood clerk colleagues before you start worrying about what's happening on road. Of course we want the streets to be safer. But guess what? You're not actually the ones who make the... You're not the ones that make the streets safer. It's investing in communities. That's what makes... Like, that's what makes things safer for people. And that tiny devil, Rishi Sunak, they're doing nothing. And that eagle-faced cow... Suella Braverman, or whatever they want to call her, just wayward. Like, why am I even getting this hot at the top of the show? Because it's actually hot in this office, is one of the points. Oh, anyway, Real Housewives of Atlanta, it's not really giving what it needs to give, but like Marlo, Marlo, I don't, I know you don't watch this show, but Marlo Hampton, calm the hell down. Using your nephew as a very, very straggly storyline to attach yourself to Candy Burris is very pathetic. It's very pathetic and it's very raz. Very raz behaviour. Very raz. I feel like Candy's outgrown the show, but I know Candy likes to stay with a check, so I think she's just going through the motions. But baby, you've got so much going on for you. Why are you tussling with these girls? And that Courtney one that they try to bring in, that talks like this and likes to bounce her head, I will bounce your head against the wall. Behave. Drew, I don't even know what to say for Drew. Make your music video, baby, and maybe learn how to roller skate. Sheree, huh? Sheree's a cutie, but there's just an 
eau de eau de pathétique that she 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 smells of eau de pathétique. Yeah, it's Kenya. Oh, just an unlikable character a lot of the time. But everybody just do what you're doing, man. But I just thought I would mention Real Housewives of Atlanta because I'm all caught up. Okay, let's not get sued. Um, let me get into the tarot because this is how I like to do it and I'm here forever. We will have an interview later on in, um, in the show. Um, I'm speaking to Anna Gifty about The Black Agenda, uh, which is a book uh, that she put together, an, um, an anthology. Um, it's really interesting. So we'll talk about that shortly, but let me get to... Um, let me get to tarot. Who did I choose for tarot? I chose... Here we go. It says here, Dear Kelechi, I just want to start by saying how much, um, how great it was to be at your live show in NYC last month. Being able to share the same space with you and everyone else in attendance was amazing. And I just want to thank you for everything you are and cultivate in this world. I am so excited for your book and truly meant what I said about being at your London show in the fall. Yay! Please bear with me as I get through the rest of this letter, as I'm doing so through a lot of sadness. I'm at a full stop and really need some guidance. My partner and I have split recently, and to say I am devastated is an understatement. Truthfully, I'm shattered. Before I met her, I'd just gone through a divorce, and I took time to heal and be with myself. When I felt ready, I asked spirit to send me my person. I visualized her and was blessed to get her. Unfortunately, through my own thoughts, abrasive attitude and financial irresponsibility, we had a huge blowout in February and we almost called it then. However, we decided to work on it because we realised the relationship was important. Through the next couple of months, we did try and it's been great change, but our intimacy and passion are still affected. It's something I'm patient about, but for her, it's adding to weight um, to the weight of the emotions she's still carrying around overall. For me, I feel passion for her and the non-sexual intimate moments between us mean to me, mean more to me because I see that as us getting back to each other. I understand for her, it's not fulfilling. I just want to know what to do. She's my end all, but how do I get through this? We currently still live together and share two dogs. One she had before we dated and the second we got together. Lesbians, man, you lot love moving in together so quickly and getting dogs. Our lease is up in October and it's obvious that we will go into our own spaces at that time. But for me, I just want to find a resolution to staying together. When she broke up with me, I told her that I understood, but also that I would wait however long. I just want her to come back to me. Won't you come back to me? Come back to me. Do you think of my What am I trying to sing? Am I trying to sing Brian McKnight after you move like a pussy plot? Okay, let's remove that from my repertoire. Anyway, we've been together for almost three years, but should I just give up hope? Can you please pull tarot for me? I need all the guidance I can get and I'm forever thankful. If it helps to know, I'm a Pisces sun, Libra moon, Aquarius rising, and she's a Libra sun, Virgo moon, and Scorpio rising. Right, I'm just stabbing my nose. Okay, okay, that's that's helpful, but I can't see where those planets are or where they're placed for you. Uh, I can, because you said you're in Aquarius rising and Scorpio rising. Right. So you are ruled by Uranus, right? That's your chart ruler. 
and um, your partner is ruled by Pluto. That's their chart ruler. So your erratic nature, it kind of like you go from one thing to the next thing and you just want to go, go, go. And you have sudden insights and you need to follow it. And your quest is to just be out there and, and see more and do more. And there's, it, it feels like there isn't a lot of stillness to you because with that Pisces sun already, like um, um, your sun sign being um, in a sign that's ruled by Neptune, you just want to be a part of everything. You just want to be out there. Like you're still a homebody, definitely, but you see yourself as more of as part of everything as opposed to just being for you and and the libra moon lends itself to that as well you're all about the other you're always about the other and what next could be happening whereas with um the your partner being a libra sun that's i can see how your sun moon conjunction yeah 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 that's spicy that's spicy um and then the virgo moon so you've got an earth moon they um they've got an earth moon you've got um an air moon and um scorpio rising so they're they feel more fixed than you are um just by going off like the scorpio aspect and then we've got cardinal immutable but going off that scorpio aspect they're rather fixed right so they feel more serious than you like even when you mentioned about the financial irresponsibility and the abrasiveness i can see how that would get to them because they seem more fixed than you are. And also the South Node is being in Scorpio. So they are, it's not just about you. You know, like we always talk about the fact that 99% of the things that happen in life, even if they're happening between us and other people, more time, it's not always about us. And so I think that outside of you, your um, partner is going through a rebirth because Pluto is moving through their, I'm stopping you, Pluto. Um, the South Node is moving through their first house. So they're having to recalibrate and, um, decide on you know who they are they're still figuring all of that out um there's a lot there I think that uh, growing up maybe things weren't always easy for them financially so you touched a wound with your financial irresponsibility as you as you mentioned like you might have touched a wound with them where they're like how can we have a future when you're when you're behaving like this because maybe they've experienced that before and it's setting them off um so it's about having those sorts of conversations and really under, understanding where the hurt lies. Because I think that when intimacy is hard to come back to within a relationship, usually it's because at least one of the parties doesn't feel like they've been truly understood. We can have conversations back and forth about you did this and I did this, but until you understand how what has transpired has affected, how deeply has affected me, we can't really move on forward from there. And so you find oftentimes that when people are in these situations, it's essentially that they're talking two different languages. But because of your sun moon conjunction, I think that there is hope of salvaging this. I mean, I don't know what all the rest of the chart is saying. There is hope of salvaging this, but it's about truly understanding where it hurts for somebody and not just like, oh, we've talked about it now, let's move on. Because sometimes they don't want to share, you know, those aspects of what they've got um, going on. And it's also for them to understand as well that baby, as a Scorpio rising, love isn't always about control. You can't like, I understand that. And this is to your partner. Like you can love the fuck out of somebody. You can love the shit out of them and you still have to let them live their life you still have to let them make their mistakes now as those mistakes pertain to you of course you can get buck like you could get wild you could be like nah i'm not that's we're not doing any of that if it's going to affect my livelihood let's like let's fix the fuck up but outside of that who you meet is who you get 
if you're meeting someone in the hopes that, oh, well, over time I'll kind of shape them into this and I'll shape them into that. No, the fuck you won't. You won't. You're stealing their autonomy. You're stealing their agency. So consider that, that love, Scorpio rising, is not always about control. It's rarely ever about control. So let's see um, what we got here. Um, I thought this was delayed for a second, but I hope it's not because I haven't got time for Higgy Hagar with this um, recording today. It's always trying me in one way or another to put that up there. Okay, so tarot. <clears throat> Let's see what the cards have to say for you. Do I ever cross your mind anytime? Do you find yourself reaching out for me? I can make up my own words if I want, ultimately, because at the end of the day, Brian McKnight moves like a star. So, how lot I miss you. Is that, I'm sure it is. Or maybe it's someone else. Who else do I like? Um, is it Eric Benet? When he goes chocolate covered lids around me. Is it, did he say chocolate covered? You know what I mean. Um, let's see what cards you've got. You've got the Seven of Wands that's come out and you've got the Knight of Pentacles um, and then that's our card, Interessante. Hey. Okay, let me move this around. Just the most. So we've got the Tower card here. It came out in reverse. I'll show you that. Everything burning down, destruction, all of that stuff. And then we've got the Knight of Pentacles upright. And we've got the Seven of Wands. Seven of Wands came out last week, didn't it? So we've got lots of fire energy at the moment, but I think it's because of the planets that we have um, in Leo. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, Mars and Leo. Is it Mars and Leo? Um, let's see what we've got from the Dickhead and Recovery Affirmation card deck that I like to call Spiritual Seasoning because I'm way with. Do you like the new logo for the podcast? So I've updated the logo for the podcast. If you haven't noticed it yet, I worry about your perception skills, but go and check it out. Um, now there's like a cyborg sort of hand touching mine instead of the white hand, like the birth of Adam sort of thing. The birth of AI, the new age, Pluto in Aquarius, can't wait. But also it's just because it fits with the theme of my book, Edge of Here. Look at it, just shining, looking beautiful. I'm going to keep forcing this book down your throat until you order it okay anyway the card that you get from the dickhead and recovery affirmation card deck says um even at my lowest the divine wanted to experience life through me i have always been a worthy vessel of hope so that's also important at this time are you just chasing to know that you're back together or are you actually addressing the issues because you've mentioned like oh the abrasiveness and the financial irresponsibility but come on let's talk between ourselves yeah Let's talk between ourselves. This part, I hope you're not playing to your partner. I'm trying to help. Financial irresponsibility. And of course, I would love to see you at the September live show. I would absolutely love it. But if your partner is complaining about financial irresponsibility and you already saw me in April in New York, and then now you said that you're going to come to London to come and see me again. Think about the flight, the accommodation, spending money. Uh-uh. I mean, if it's, if it's not a burden on your finances, baby, come through. But at the same time, maybe, maybe that's what they're referring to. If the a disposable income is there, do what you're doing. But it feels like if you're having to come to blows over something, not literal blows, but do you know what I mean? 
if that's the situation, then maybe it's considering that could this also be um, a bone of contention for them? Just think about it. So from the wisdom of the Oracle deck, uh, deck, we've got number five, conflict, and it's orphaned. That's the card that you get and you see them. They look like a little bird. They've got a beak on their face and then they're sat in a nest and they just look really sad. Um, let's see first what it says about wisdom of the oracle. Um, it says about orphan before we even get into anything else. So it says here, the oracle's message, we were all meant to have connections with other people within our families, society and larger culture. No man is an island. And it's important to recognize when being a part of rather than separate from is essential to your well-being. The issue at hand is the need to find where you fit. Be true to your core truths and values. Perhaps you no longer identify with a group or community the way you did before and need to find a new situation. You might be feeling a deep sense of loss or confusion. Address the need for belonging and know that you will find your place with others of like mind and spirit. It's okay to let go of pressure to fit in. Not everyone will understand you. It's time to move on. The relationship message says, as you shift and evolve and commit to your own growth, you long for support and may be disappointed and hurt by others who are not providing what you feel you deserve. Perhaps you are drifting away from this relationship because you're in a different stage of personal growth. Perhaps you are in a new relationship and discovering that you don't share the same values and beliefs. So you feel left out, unable to get that intimate place uh, or unable to get to that intimate place of safety and belonging. Take heart, as spirit knows you and loves you and will steer you in the direction of those who accept you as you are without artifice or, um, or agenda. Don't compromise yourself to belong. It won't be worth the price. Now, I feel that what that's speaking to, because you know I mentioned that your partner's um, rising sign is experiencing the south node, you know, transiting it. I feel like that relationship message was more about them because I mentioned to you about they're growing, they're changing. Some of the things that they're wanting is, you know, slightly different. And you entered into this relationship soon after coming out of a divorce. So there needs to be some breathing room for, I know it's been three years, but still there needs to be some breathing room for you both to adjust to the life that you have together. 2020 fucks a lot of people up and people aren't sitting down enough to talk about that. Your, your relationship happened around that time. So like a lot of people went through, um, well, I say fuck people up, but fuck people up in um, for some people in a really good way because it tore apart, you know, that tower energy. It tore apart everything that they thought that they knew about themselves and who they are. And then it was just like, okay, well, if I'm not this, then what am I? But oh, I was going to sing one dirty, dirty man song and I held myself off. Um, I held myself off. But essentially the storm is over, Right. So the things that you're fearing about things coming crashing down around you, that's not where your um, attention needs to be right now. It's that, fam, the things have already crashed. So pick up the pieces, pick up the things that you can pick up. And if it's just soil that you have, start thinking about what you're going to plant, like plant into it this time. For you both to get to the point or for your partner to get to the point where they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, we've reached that point. You still want to do this though. So what? where can you both by respecting each other, respecting each other's autonomy, what kind of conversation can be had about what do I need to do? Where do you need me to be in order for you to want this? And they can tell you the same thing, you know, and, you know, they can ask things of you and you can ask things of them. Um, the seven of wands is about standing your ground. And I, um, it's about standing your ground. And while, yes, there might've been some things that you've done that 
put you in their eyes or in your eyes as well as put you in the wrong, that doesn't mean that you now need to just start beating yourself up. Stand your ground on certain things, not just because, oh, you want to stay with someone that you can't say how you feel about certain things. Like say what you need to say as well, damn it. Um, And then we've got the Knight of Pentacles, patience, patience. I think that sometimes you have to let people feel what they feel. Try your best to um, talk through everything. Really try to understand where they're coming from. Really, really try to say that maybe it might be a case of going to couples counselling together because you're happy with non-sexual intimacy and they're saying it's not enough, right? So you're in two different modes with each other right now. So maybe it's about going to someone that can help you figure out like how do you match each other's um, desires for intimacy. But patience is required in this situation. You're not going to be able to rush them out of where they are or what they're feeling anytime soon. And in that time, there are things that you probably need to address as well. Like how did we get here in the first place with the abrasiveness and the poor financial management? Like address those things because it makes you, regardless of what happens henceforth, it will make you a better partner in the future. And those two dogs, they deserve you both figuring out how you're going to do this. All right. So. I pray that that resonates with you. Thank you for sending your letters in. If anyone wants to send in their tarot letters, you can send it to uh, sym at kalechiokafor.com. On Patreon now, on patreon.com forward slash kalechiokafor, I'm offering um, monthly um, reading. So a month ahead reading, or this is what your month's going to look like. And that's £33 a month. So you can sign up to that here. And at the beginning of every month, I'll send you Um, your reading for that month and um, after three months you get a a 30 minute one-to-one tarot reading via zoom so if you want to join the tier if you feel like you need a personal reading or you want me to read your month ahead do that if it's a personal one-to-one reading where you want to choose the questions and do all of that I don't have many spaces I don't have any spaces in fact right now for that so the patreon is probably the best way to go where you're guaranteed a reading even though you're not sending me a question for it so that's that. Anyway, let's get to share your magnificence. So for share your magnificence, I, like I said, went to go watch Tambo and Bones. I greatly enjoyed it. My God, what a masterclass in the discomfort that white audiences feel. I don't even want to give any spoilers because I know some people are going to watch it on a blackout night on the 5th of July. Enjoy it. But I do feel like there's something to be said for white people being in the audience for some of the conversation that takes place. Because imagine as black people, we scroll all of the time on social media and without out of nowhere, we can end up just seeing somebody being killed by police, being killed here, being killed there or being subjected to some kind of violence. And we're just meant to continue and navigate life, even though we see that constantly. They were shown um, a character that was essentially a, a robot but happened to have white skin that got beaten up. And the tension in that theatre, the tension, it was absolutely mad. And I just thought, yeah, because you're never, you're not used to seeing white bodies like being brutalised. And so, and it wasn't even brutalised in that way, but you get, well, no, there was a fire extinguisher. But it was all stage combat. And that's another thing as well. It's fake. It's fake. We're at the theatre. It's fucking fake. Yeah, they got so tense. But when they were cooning on the stage, when they were cooning and and acting up to the caricatures and stereotypes stereotypes of blackness, you lot were laughing. You really stretched those lips and really, really laughed. 
you really stretch them to the maximum thinness and you tackled. But the moment that you were shown a white body being attacked, all of a sudden it's not funny anymore. But do you think that the circumstances that Tambo and Bones were describing to you about the, the, the confining nature of white supremacist patriarchy and transcending it, do you think that that was fun for us to watch? Me personally, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Quote me on that. Absolutely great. We need more theatre like that. That shakes the people up. Because conversations definitely need to be had. It's interesting how Bones, one, one of the characters, and pick up yourself as the yourselves as the actors as well. Two-man show, you lot bodied that. Um, the white actors that are the robots, you lot did well as well. Um, but writer, writer and director, you all motherfucking did that. Okay. Like, loved it. And again, you know, there were some, you know, biracial people people of mixed heritage you were just like well you know they don't think about how we feel you know seeing what happens to white people when we consider that one of our parents okay 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 i get it i get it i get it but guess who you need to take that up with your parents your parents take that up with them because this shouldn't be hard for you and while you're talking about, oh my God, how should we feel when they're talking about white um, genocide, essentially, in the, what, what, how this is framed, but how have you felt when you've heard about the genocide in Namibia, when you've heard about a genocide in Sudan, in, in Somalia? What, how have you felt about that? How have you felt about the transatlantic slave trade? How have you felt about colonialism? But suddenly when you see two, two slaps being administered to a white person, suddenly it's like, oh, Oh, they don't consider us in the audience. Be for real. Be for real. So two slaps on your chest, Tambo and Bones. If there's still tickets available, I suggest you go and watch it because if I can see it again, I'll go again. Hi, guys, at Tambo and Bones. If anybody drops out on the 5th of July and you have an extra ticket available, am I even around? Because sometimes I ask for shit and I'm not even about. But if I'm about and there are tickets available, I'd like to come on Blackout Night because I'd like to see the difference between watching it with a white audience and watching it with an all-black audience. That would be very interesting to me. So, um, yeah, go and check out Tambo and Bones if you can. And I'm not saying that just for the sake of it. I'm genuinely... Like, if I think a play is shit, <laughs> you'll know by how I... Like, I'm not telling you to go and see anything. This one, I greatly enjoyed it, and I would definitely like to see more conversations around the themes in the play. Because even talking about... Um, well, Bones says it. That's what I was going to say. Bones, one of the characters, says... You know, he, he's very pre uh, preoccupied with getting quarters, basically getting money. And he said, and there's this analogy that they give where they're like, oh, you know, white people essentially see themselves as the real niggas because, you know, we're, we're not even real. As far as they were concerned with um, race, race, pseudoscience and whatever, we're three-fifths human. So the so we're not real, right? And so he says the real niggas, you know, they have this and they have this and they have that. And so Bones is very preoccupied with becoming real. And for as far as he's concerned, he needs to gain so much in terms of material assets in order that he might be real. And I thought that was such beautiful writing. It was so observant in terms of how the writer went about um, conveying that, because ultimately it speaks to the malaise that I think a lot of celebrities 
are afflicted with where they want to amass a, a lot of black celebrities I'll speak to specifically where they want to amass material wealth to the point where it's actually just grotesque and it just doesn't make sense but they want to amass it in order that they might be real, in order that they might be seen, that if they have all of these things, the shiny chains, the cards, this, you can't not notice me. Like, you can't not notice me. I'm here now because essentially, sometimes what it is to be Black is to be both invisible and hyper-visible all at the same time. So those were my, you know, observations from watching it. I just thought it was, it was really, really great social commentary. Of course, there were parts of it that were extremely inflammatory. Um, and I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. So if you go and watch it, enjoy. Um, and I would, if I had the chance, I would definitely see it again. Um, there was a Nigerian student I saw that finished um, top of um, their uh, class at a Chinese university, and just hearing them speaking, I think it was Mandarin. So sick. It was just so cute. So cute. And it made people laugh as well. It's just like, not you knowing jokes. Okay. I love that for them. Um, anyway, Anna Gifty and the Black Agenda. That's what I wanted to talk to you about today. So we're going to go to that shortly. Um, Anna Gifty, we followed each other online for a few years. And um, she, um, well, let me just read out her bio. It says, Anna Gifty, um, Opoku um, Ajiman, is uh, a Ghanaian-born American activist and writer. She's a co-founder and former CEO of the Sabi Collective, as well as co-founder and co-organizer of Black Birders Week. Um, she uh, was it. She was born in Kumasi, Ghana, and moved to the United States as a child. And she graduated and um, from day school in Maryland. And then essentially, she then ended up going to um, Harvard. So she talks to us. Um, quite a bit about what it is to navigate um, public policy and economics, which is what she's um, studying her, what, which is what she's doing her PhD on. How she navigates that, as well as this book, Black Agenda, and yeah, I the the actual title is the Black Agenda: Bold Solutions for a Broken System. So she's edited it, and she's got some amazing, amazing essays in there, and that's basically what we end up dis- um, discussing. So I hope you enjoy the interview and um, I'll catch you in a bit. Anna, baby girl. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is wonderful. Like, first, I just think we need to take a moment and just really big up yourself. Like, oh. (laughs) I just love your vim I love your energy I love your smart I love your beauty Like I love Like your Your care You know Your knowledge Your care Your love Like it's just So Pertinent when I see the wow, things you're that you make tweet, me cry. <laughs> when I see the things that you tweet and you write, and I'm just like, yes, girl, yes. But all the, at the same time, why do we have to be the ones? Right. But you do it so well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I love you. I, I'm in awe of what you do. Um, and I, I was very much looking forward to us organizing, um, this chat. And I hope we can actually do something longer and in person. Yeah. So I think that that Absolutely. would be like wonderful as well. I'm just moving here so I can this. Yeah, so I can see myself. Um. But yeah, I, I want us to be able to do something longer and um, in person. I think that 
there are so many things to be said like the black agenda yeah. which is um the anthology that you edited so much is covered there so right. much yeah did you come up with the title yeah so i was i knew that in already. the meeting <laughs> with the um with the literary agents you know mm. the editors and they were like what title can all of these ideas live under mm. and i said in some ways, they're giving us agenda items to mm. focus on. And I said, wait a minute, <laughs> the Black Agenda? They're like, oh my God, so good. And I was like, okay. There is another book called The Black Agenda by yeah. Ben Ford, which is also worth reading. But mm. yeah, this is The Black Agenda, Bold Solutions for a Broken System. Yes, and I and I love it because... Oftentimes when we're just saying simple things like, oh, hey, it would be really cool if black people weren't killed. Don't start with your black agenda. This is an agenda. (laughs) What the agenda that I have is to be alive. It's it's that audacious. And it's it's a lot. It's a lot. But um, uh, you're doing your doctoral research right now, right? (laughs) Yes. So I'm a doctoral candidate um, at Harvard Kennedy School. I study public policy and economics. And so what I tell people is I use economics to measure patterns of discrimination. Mm. And then I use behavioral science to intervene. So it's not enough to be like, that's racist. Yeah. Okay. Let's fix it. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of what my work hopefully will evolve. Yeah, I I think it's incredible. Like I can just imagine you you're like because you're Ghanaian born, right? I can just imagine. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine the relatives and everybody. Ah, she's so smart. She's so smart. <laughs> like, like but, they're stunting on everybody. They're flexing on everybody. Have it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Now the pressure is getting worse out for us. It's All of us, man, that didn't go to Harvard, that. we're getting it in the neck. Right. <laughs> but no, it's how do you find navigating such a space? Because people talk a lot about, we all yeah. talk about um, institutional racism. We know academia can be a wild place. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes the complexities and nuances of um race and class i think that it becomes even further exacerbated when you are in your kind of spaces correct like i i think it's it's been such an interesting experience so i've been here officially for two years but i did a fellowship right after college Mm. and came over here as well so what I always tell people is like Harvard is really no different from other great universities, yeah. public or private, HBCU or not HBCU. Mm. The difference is power, mm. privilege, and wealth, right? Mm. So the people here are just heard more. They come from generational wealth and they display it in not so subtle in subtle ways, right? Mm. And this cuts across race. So you even have Black people from upper middle class families and their own forms of generational wealth enter spaces like this. But then you also have folks who are first generation. And so you kind of see 
sort of the intermingling mm-hmm. of these different class identities alongside race, alongside gender, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you get into a space like this and they say, you know, women in empowerment, but they mean white women. Oh. In particular, they mean rich white women, right? Nino, Nino. Minority empowerment, but they mean minorities who they can package and sell yes. on a brochure. Yes. People who, you know, fit the right archetype. And so in my experience... It's funny, like, people think I'm the latter. They're like, oh, she's one of the good ones. Mm -hmm. Then they put me on stage, and I'm like, all of y'all are racist. (laughs) And then it's just like, They're like, shit. (gasps) Whoa. Damn. (laughs) Cut the mic. In the nice way, I'm like, hey, you know, like, y'all could do better, Mm -hmm. and we're going to hold you accountable, and Mm -hmm. we're watching you. And to some degree, that still conveys the same message. Yes, yes. No, definitely. And I I think that you do it so, so well. I think that there is a... There's a space for all of us to convey and, like, communicate similar things and choose to go about it slightly differently. You know, not everybody needs to yeah. be effing and blinding. Not everybody needs to be tearing sing- Like we are all tearing singlets. Somebody's maybe just taking here, and then somebody's <laughs> just maybe taking the hem. You get what I mean? But we we can't tear singlet alone. You singlet right. tearing is not a solo activity. It's a collective right. effort. You know, to really tear That's that singlet. Right. So I, you know, I I appreciate and I love how we all go about you know tearing singlets because it needs to be done in this society so we can move forward. That's right. But when we are looking at this um, amazing anthology, how did you go about getting everybody together? Yeah, that's 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 a number one question I get asked. Yeah. So I always say that it was a community effort, right? Mm. So initially when this book began, it was going to center people in my field. So economics, policy. But this book really started to come together in 2020. Now we know what happened in 2020. Mm, mm. In the summer of 2020, all of a sudden America was talking about racism because of the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And Mm. so you had this nationwide conversation happening where literally every discipline, every field was talking about how racism arises Mm in their space. And so I started to see connections like, oh, health equity is tied to economic justice Mm. and economic justice is tied to criminal justice. And so it's important for us to bring in these voices collectively. Now, granted, I didn't have kind of the reach to reach, like kind of contact these individuals. And so I turned to Twitter. I was like, hey, y'all, you know, we need voices for this project. I didn't tell what the project was, but I was like, I want to feature some people. Do you guys know some epidemiologists? Do you guys know some technologists? And people just threw out names. And some of those people that we ended up reaching out to, like I said, summer of 2020 was inundated with a lot of demand, I'm putting demand in quotes Mm. because that demand has petered off, Mm. um, for Black expertise and for Black scholarship. And so a lot of those individuals ended up, you know, maybe recommending their colleagues who had a bit more time. 
Okay. I love that because I think that that's what I enjoy when I see you yeah. on online and I see the work that you do is that you work Thank from a you. place of abundance that you're like, let's bring everybody in. There is very much. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it is, I, I get the feeling that it's part, it's because of who you are, but also, and it ties together also because of your field of expertise, because yeah. you understand that again, when I was talking about tearing singlet solo, you can't do that alone. Same no. as this, if we're talking about economics, you can't do the things that you do alone. No. Now, have you believed that, you know, right. white supremacists, you know, this capitalist system will have you believe that you can do yeah. it alone because it's all hyper individualistic, but we don't yeah. survive without each other. And we should That's be able right. to survive with each other with integrity while not trampling or pretending that you're the first to do something. Because oftentimes to in, in order to thrive yeah. within white institutions or what we see predominantly white institutions or historically white institutions, what we see is that they force you as a black person almost to claim inaccurately that you're the first to do something. That's right. That's right. And going back to your question around Harvard, you sometimes see in spaces like that, and I would argue like even more broader in disciplines that are predominantly white, like Mm -hmm. economics, that there is a crabs in the barrel mentality. So for those who are not familiar with the metaphor, it's the idea that like you have all the crabs stacked together in a barrel and they're just trying to climb on top of each other. And somebody once told me that, has anybody thought about the fact that the barrel's not the crab's natural habitat? No. So why are you trying to climb in an artificial environment Mm -hmm. when you really should be trying to get out and the only way you can get out is if everybody's working together shake that fucking barrel shake that shake the barrel out of the barrel yeah and so we can get out that is all my work is that is the leading ethos of my work how do we get out of the barrel because it's an artificial environment that no one is thriving in and someone is thriving in at our expense. Yes, the creator of the barrel. That's just like, yeah, you right. will be in there and you just fight it out. You fight it out. And that so part. I there's so many different um contributions and essays that I really enjoyed. Even but I love that you bring us back to how specifically climate change and all of these things affects black people when we're talking That's about right. queerness, how we talk about queerness without talking about how queer people are instrumental and integral to talking about sustainability. Like we there are so many things for us to look at here. But colorism caught my eye, baby. Colorism. So I, I thought, love that essay. Yes. Let's could you talk to us a bit about that? Because I thought yeah. that, that was Everything's amazing, but that one I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you and I are two melanated queens, right? We're both dark skinned, yeah. um, and you know, regardless of the Twitter discourse, that is valid, yes. right? Yes. And so, Dr. Jamie Slaughter AC is an epidemiologist who studies maternal health, yes, and she studies it in the context of colorism, this idea that there are preferences to the kind of hues that people display. And she talks about how darker skinned women, especially mothers who are giving birth, are treated worse than their lighter skinned counterparts. They're less believed. You know, you might not see certain 
abnormalities appear because mm. there's not the infrastructure mm. to look beyond a certain hue. Mm. And this is really relevant considering what happened to the recent track Olympian yes. who died alone, yes. right? But one Ooh. thing that no one is talking about is she was dark-skinned. That's actually, I would say, the similarities between her and Serena Williams. Serena Williams is also dark-skinned. Don't talk and about so it. there's this kind of, like, presumption that the blacker you are, the less incompetent you are. And so people have a less time believing you when mm-hmm. you say, I'm in pain, or this thing isn't working for me, right? You might end up dying alone because no one believed you. Mm-hmm. And that is directly tied to what they're seeing. Yes, and yeah. I appreciate you um touching on that because that that essay, that got me. That got me because, you know, it it touched on personal experiences that I've had within the healthcare system. And again, this is not to say that because we obviously know that Beyonce had a difficult um, pregnancy or um, birthing experience. We know all of these things, but at the same time, multiple things can be true at the same time. We understand these things that racism is this, but also how that because of racism and how colorism plays into that, the darker you are, the more aggressive that racism is likely to manifest. That is what we're saying in this situation. And I'm funnily enough in this episode, we are that, you know, I go on to record after our conversation. That is what I'm talking about. Like we're looking, you can't come and tell me about, oh, they were predisposed to this or they had these conditions. And no, it looks like darker skinned black women, things that are happening when they're going to give birth. And it's wild. It's actually wild. It's wild. It's um, wild. And when we think historically as well about who contributed the bodies, the people, for That's you right. to have this system that you have in place right now. And so if you're not seen as more than um, somebody who births um, um, factory workers or you birth the, the workers, then your humanity is not respected. That's exactly if, yeah. right. So it's a, it's a lot, but I, I just, that stood out to me. But what um, particular... Um, contribution really got you. Yeah, so I always plug this essay um, because it's on the same realm of Black women and Black girls. So recently, you know, I convinced the Clinton Foundation to host a conversation featuring Dr. Lauren Mims and Ashley Wisdom. So Dr. Lauren Mims is a professor at NYU, New York University in psychology, and Ashley Wisdom is the founder of Health and Her Hue. And Dr. Mims's essay about kind of the power of Black girls in the classroom is something that I think every person should read. Mm-hmm. But if you love Abbott Elementary yes. or if you're interested in education, it is a must read. Mm. She kind of walks us through a personal anecdote of teaching a group of Black girls that society has dismissed. So think wow. about girls who might be pregnant at a teenage age, right? Yeah. Or think about girls who are seen as disruptive mm. in the classroom putting huge quotes on disruptive, right? And so Dr. Mins pretty much asked these girls, hey, why do you think you're in this program was after school? And then she said, you know, you shout out answers. I'll write them on the board. They start shouting out disparaging reasons. You know, I'm a failure. I'm disruptive. 
I'm a single mom, a teenage mom, and, you know, nobody cares about me. Mm. Dr. Mims talks about how she writes every single reason they share on the board. Mm. And as a result, she almost cries. Like, she's at the board crying silently. And afterwards, she says she pulls herself together, and she turns around, and she says... Are there any more answers? They say, no, we're good. Then she goes through every answer, crosses it out, reframes it. You say you're a single mom, you're someone who prioritizes her children. You say you're disruptive, you're someone certain and confident in what you have to say. In an instant, all of those Black girls say, wait, is it one of those programs for smart kids? Is this one of those programs for people who are, you know, gifted? And she's like, yes, yes. And you quite literally see a personal account of the system, systematic biases that have maybe plagued the way that they view themselves be reversed in real time. And so for me, when I talk about that essay, I get choked up because I was very much the disruptive girl quote about it yeah in my classroom and there's a lot of evidence by you know dania francis who's an economist Mm -hmm. and some of her co-authors that shows that black girls are almost always seen as the most disruptive or one of the most disruptive groups in the classroom and that results in them not being recommended for certain gifted courses and programs like the one that dr mims led out and I and that says so so much because again we know that that ties into the adultification of black girls That's as well, right. where we are held to a to a higher standard, a harsher standard than let's say a, a, a little white girl, a middle That's class right. white girl. You know, that's um, right. And so we play into that as we grow up. We we feel that that's the way that we need to be without ever reframing. Wait, was I ever disruptive? Was I ever hmm. bossy? Was I ever all of these things? I remember that the yeah. main one for me was like, "Oh, you're an overachiever." Like, what does that mean to over? To what is it to overachieve? <laughs> like, I'm I'm just achieving. <laughs> I'm just right. achieving, right? That's so right. The over, that sounds like a personal problem. Like, I'm, I'm you know, if you can't keep up, just say, baby. Like, it, it doesn't have to oh, be good. what you're, it doesn't have to be all it is. Um, That's right. But no, I thank you so much for joining me. And of course, everyone's going to go out um, and support the, um, you know, support this book because I think it's incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. But um, be- before we close, just quickly, could you tell me, because you, I feel like I know, but quickly, could you tell me <laughs> your vision over the next 10 years? What would you like to see this book contribute to your vision over the next 10 years? What would you like to see it do the impact? Yes. So this book is a lot of different things, a resource guide, a place that people can reference. My wish for this book, and we'll see if it can happen in America. Yes. Let's even get to the UK. Amen. I yes. In curricula. I want the next generation to be reading this book yes. as part of their education. Amen. Because we see what's going on with the current leadership. Mm. I got a lot of hope 
unfortunately to say, but there are so many next generation, and I would consider us part of that, yes. next generation leaders and young people who really do want to live in an inclusive society yes. Yes. and don't have the tools. And so you have a lot of really great activism happening on the ground, but a lot of times what I say, ask activists, um, my fellow activists is like, what is the evidence backing up what you're saying? Because yes. when you get into rooms where people are going to interrogate you, what can you point to to yes. further justify why you are advocating for X? Yes. And this book gives you that evidence. And so I'm hoping more people will read it for that reason. Thank you. And it does exactly that. Like I was able to be able to, when, while I was reading, I was like, just under like underlying things, underlining <sighs> things using like my, um, my phone, the app that I've got just to be yes. underlining things on a PDF because I would be able to cite so many things. I'd be like, oh, that's where that came from. Because I'd just be talking. Right. Girl, I was just talking. <laughs> uh, but now I have the actual citation. That's this right. is sick. And so I join you in that vision. I join you in that prayer. I join you in that manifestation. And that is yeah. what we take forward. Um, thank you so much. And I appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we're back. Um... That's just, I did that and it just reminded me of an um, incident that happened earlier on this week where I was just so fed up, but I won't go into that. I'll probably go into it. Should I complete the thing that I meant to complete regarding it? But like, it was just really annoying. Like the way that people behave around celebrities and if they don't know you, how they treat you around that celebrity is very wild to me because I don't tolerate nonsense. I don't. I'm one of God's favourites. I don't tolerate nonsense. So not that God doesn't have favourites. Well, if you're a hater or you hate listen, you're not one of God's favourites. Um, but you, I guess you must be in some kind of way because you're being allowed to listen to this and learn something. So I don't know. I wonder how many secret listeners I have. Do you know, like, people who, like, you wouldn't think listen to this. I bump into the most random people and they're like, I love your podcast. I'm like, really? Really? Wow. I love that for us, though. I love that for us because this is a conversation that transcends um, generation, um, generations, age. Well, that's generations, isn't it? Culture, race, gender, like sexuality. Like we're just here to talk is the thing. But I hope you enjoyed that conversation between myself and Anna Gifty. Um, so you can check out uh, The Black Agenda bold solutions for a broken system go and get yourself involved and um, read some of the essays because they're absolutely stunning absolutely stunning essays right so for so you mad i'm going down because you ain't around baby my time Oh, you know, my empathy's capped. My empathy's capped regarding the Titan submersible um, tragedy, if we were going to call it that, because it is. The person I feel the most, most for is the 19-year-old that was in that glorified um, butt plug that ego-driven billionaires decided that they were going to get into and they were going to go try and go down way down below sea level to go and see the titanic 
I can't get over the West's obsession with digging up dead people. I even heard at some point in one century, not too long ago, that um, aristocrats and rich people would eat um, mummies, like they would eat mummified bodies. You lot are not okay. Like you are not all right. Like something is really doing you because none of this makes sense. But I really feel it for the boy because what a fucking stupid father. Like what a ridiculous, useless bitch of a father. Rest in peace, baby boy. Um yeah, like ego will get you fucked up. And in if I, um as in Yoruba cosmology, Olokun has told us, like, don't go and play with the rivers. Olokun really must have inspired TLC and whoever wrote that song for them. Don't was that Candy Burris? No, I don't think that one was her. She wrote no scrubs, I think. Don't go chasing waterfalls. I used to call it Warafa. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to. I know that you got your tights and submersible, but baby boy, you're gonna get crunched the fuck out. Like, don't do it. You know, just don't do it. And while we're on that subject, some of you identify, like, some of you worry me. Some of you worry me so much. The way that you over identify with billionaires. Wake up, wake up. You don't have that money. In certain instances, you are poor. Why are you paying attention or, or over, over sympathizing with what billionaires are doing, the nonsense that they're doing? I'm not saying, oh, you should be like, oh, fuck them. You know, fuck them. They got what they deserve. But if you play stupid games, guess what's going to happen? You're going to win stupid prizes. And the thing is, we're apparently not meant to talk about this because we're all meant to be so respectful and rare, 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 rare. You did something ridiculous. You did something absolutely fucking ridiculous. And you went and put a 19-year-old boy at risk as well of your fuckery. Like, and it's not even like this came as a surprise. In the lead up to all of this, the CEO knew that there were issues along the way. Like, whatever you create, like, fam, you were controlling... You were controlling your little, your, your construction with a games console. A games console. Now, the thing is, it's one thing if one person decides that they want to be ridiculous, but others of you went to go and join them and you thought that that would be a good idea. Nobody talked to you about, like, simple physics and the pressure that would compress you based on the material that you decided to make your little thing out of. But, oh, my God, we shouldn't make jokes at this time. I'm sickened by the way that people are making jokes about these billionaires. They're still people. But here you are not having the same volume of for 700 people that drowned. It, like, this week, you didn't... 700 people drowned, and you're not saying anything about them, but you're so concerned about billionaires. Look at how many ships and this and that that they sent out, um, rescue, um, um, rescue vehicles to go and save them tracking devices to find them they said they spent over what nine million or something 6.5 million or something in the in the search for these people even though authorities american authorities said oh but based on what we picked up in the sonar that they, they got crunched we they got crunched a few days ago and we've been knew that so why didn't you tell everybody else Oh, we wanted to confirm what are you confirming you two know how the, how that ocean rolls like you know. 
you just I just don't get some of you lot like the time that you're meant to feel empathy instead of you to be flogging Suella instead of you to be tearing Suella and Rishi um, Singlet instead of you to be dealing with Preeti Patel and her wonky smile you're not doing any of this you're not concerned about any of this you're concerned about billionaires that chose that chose to put they weren't fleeing from nothing they weren't fleeing from nothing they weren't in any danger chose to put themselves in um in, in a foil tin essentially with a game controller and say that controller controller well you see what happened then you see what happened they chose to put themselves in that situation where other people are fleeing devastating conditions in their country and they're drowning because apparently greek coast guards or whoever oh we they we offered them help and they said no shut up and fuck you this is even meant to be so you mad and not even straw of the week. But I am incensed by how little we care for people like who are horizontal to us in, um, in, in experience. But you're worrying about people who are vertically above us. Like they don't give a fuck about you. Like if you drown tomorrow, they're not coming to come and write uh, think pieces on Twitter about how no one should be making jokes about you. Of course. Oh, my God. They have families. Okay, but one of them, even their family member was going to a concert. Was it Blink-182? And then he started arguing with Cardi B online. If he was getting on with the rest of his life, I mean, who am I? The 19-year-old university student who was killed in the Titan submersible was terrified before the trip, but went as, um, went as a Father's Day present. It will never be well for that father. Asmo Dawood, the, the older sister of businessman Shahzada Dawood told um, Sky's US partner network, NBC News, that Mr. Dawood's son, Suleiman, was not uh, was very not into doing it. Suleiman had a sense that this was not okay and he was not very comfortable about doing it. So Suleiman had common sense, is what she's saying there. But it was a Father's Day thing. It was a bonding experience and he wanted the adventure of a lifetime just like his father did. His father wanted it, and that was Sule all the way. He'd do anything for anyone. And this is what I'm saying, babies, baby people. We've got to stop doing things for everyone. Human design even says it. But Suleiman did not want to do that. I don't know what the human design type he was, but he knew he did not want to do that. And so listen to yourselves. And this is not passing blame on him. I'm saying generally for all of us, like going forward, listen to yourself. If your spirit does not want to do something, You've got to put the people pleasing aside. I know that there are different dynamics here, like it's father, son, this, that. But even with our parents, like boundaries are necessary. Don't go and keep doing things that other people want you to do, even though your entire body is telling you that this is not a good idea. Because even if something doesn't happen in that moment as a direct consequence of that thing, every time you are den- like denying your own divinity because you're trying to please other people. Your mum needs you today. Your brother needs you today or needs you tomorrow. This person, this friend needs you to listen to them for half an hour. This other friend needs you to listen for 45 minutes. You get to work and there's all that fuckery there happening as well. Oh, Ma, when will you rest? When will you rest? Stand up. I don't mean that in an ableist way. If you can't, that's totally fine as well. But, you know, just large up your chest, isn't it? Um... Asmo said the other men who were killed in the catastrophic implosion went on the trip for their own interests, unlike Suleiman. There were for, they were there for their own reasons. Suleiman was there for a Father's Day bonding experience. To be honest, as terrible as it sounds, at least knowing that they wouldn't have had time to know, 
they would have just been sat there enjoying themselves and then suddenly boom it was over to know that my soleil didn't feel a moment's pain um describing shazada as a precious angel she said he was interested in the titanic from a young age it was his biggest wish dream everything for Shazada, he fulfilled his dream in an extraordinary way. But did you have to take your son with you? Like, could you, you have fulfilled that dream by yourself? I, nah, God forbid. Like, the way that my heart is doing, boom, 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 boom. like, oh, baby. Whew. Man and their fuckery child. Ooh. He's become part of the Titanic legend. I mean, in those terms, it could be nothing greater. Well, they could be greater. They could still be alive. And speaking from her home in Amsterdam, Asmir said she was glued to news coverage on the Titan. Um, I feel disbelief, Asmir said, speaking through sobs. It's an unreal situation. I feel like I've been caught in a really bad film with a countdown, but you didn't know that you were, you know what you were counting down to. I personally have found it kind of difficult to breathe thinking of them. Both British citizens, Shazada and Suleiman Dawood, were members of one of Pakistan's most prominent families, the family's namesake business empire, Dawood Hercules Corporation, has investments in agriculture, the health sector, and other industries. Other industries, interesting. Billionaire Shazada was the vice chairman of the Karachi-based Engro Corporation and an advisor to Prince's Trust International, a charitable organization founded by King Charles. Of course, his own name will be there somewhere if there's dodgy, if there's dodgy dealings to be done. Um, Suleiman? I'm sending you so much love and I'm so sorry that everything happened the way that it did. I am so, so sorry. I am so sorry that you were surrounded by fucking idiots as, as adults. I'm so sorry. I pray that it wasn't horrid and painful, but still you deserve to have had all of your life um, not snatched away from you because of irresponsible people with lots of money. So for you, I feel it. For everybody else, I've absolutely, I've got absolutely nothing to say, nothing to say. But what I will say is that every other day, if not every day, there are people who are trying to flee situations that whatever country that you're in, whether it's Britain, Canada, France, wherever, Europe um, and the Americas, whatever country you're in, your country is likely instrumental in destabilizing the countries that these people are fleeing from. So how fucking dare you say that they should drown in the ocean? Because they didn't come to the country in a legal way. Meanwhile, you've blocked all the legal routes. Fuck you. And Suella, rot in hell. Anyway, that's that for So You Mad, in case you were wondering. Um, is that that for So You Mad? Because uh, you know what? I send Jonathan so many things that I plan to cover on this week's episode. And I get to it. And I'm just like, girl, you can't talk about everything that's happening. Like, there's just a lot to go through. I think the main thing that um, I wanted to talk about was the um, Titan submersible. And just to implore all of you, just do not go and put yourself in very wogga wogga situations. Um, yeah, a lot of it is the Titan submersible and Cardi B arguing with the, one of the billionaire's sons over Blink-182. Um, and also, yeah, just rest in peace, if you know possible, to all of the people who suffered um the, the tragedy the um on greek waters it's and all the people who have come before them and likely to come after them because this situation is fucked up um yeah everyone everyone's just talking oh i saw this that i thought was interesting so this girl has a complaint or this young woman has a complaint let me see if i can play it to you 
Swaka. So today, my boyfriend and I will be filming some spicy content for my... Un okay, I'm not being rude. And this is not to be disrespectful to this girl in any single way. This is not coming at her at all, but I'm offended because I am a 29-year-old professional in a respectable job. I own my own place. I pay my own bills. I pay my own way. I have only had two boyfriends in my lifetime and the one lasted six years. The other one lasted three years. I don't even post my ankles, much less my thighs, much less my ass on social media. All you get in is head and shoulders like the shampoo. All you get in is a mugshot. Bitch, I never got pregnant, dropped out of school, had an abortion, joined the gang. If you was to look on social media right now, you will find nothing. You're not going to find news. You're not going to find me fighting people online. You're not going to find me doing none of that. The most you'll see me doing is cracking some goddamn jokes. And I'm single. Okay. Okay. Um, so... What did you expect? This is the thing, like the pick-me's are really struggling because, the, and I literally, oh my God, I literally just said it. If you are living your life for somebody else, you're always doing the things that you think other people require of you. You're going to harbor so much resentment. Like that is exactly what she's showing us right now. Who did you do all of those things for? The house, the this, the studying, not joining bad gang. All of these things. I've only had two boyfriends. So you say, oh, only two men have crossed it. All right, cool. You've done all of that. And and six years and then three years. That's nine years. Go. You've been doing well. Some people haven't smelled cock forever. You smelled two in nine years. Chill out. Rest. If that's, if the, if that, if that's the big issue. But all of this, I've done this, I've done this. I've essentially been a good girl and I've ascribed to everything that patriarchy's told me to do and I haven't been awarded a man. Is it an award or an affliction is what you should ask yourself. That's not even meant to be man-hating. But when you are doing all of these things for the grand prize of a man, do you, who, who, do you respect yourself? Like, do you respect yourself? Because I don't feel like you do. Live your life, have fun. Have fun. Do things because you want to do them, like in your genuine heart of hearts, like you want to do them. If you're kind of walking around, you know, like that Phaedra, that Phaedra meme where she touches the, the feathers on an outfit and she goes, and she walks off. Like, if you just want to play with the feathers, play with the feathers. All of this that you're doing about, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do that and, and I'm single. Yeah? Because guess where the guys are? Guess where the guys are at? With the girls who are having fun or with other guys. Everybody's just enjoying themselves. Nobody's worrying about what you're doing. And I, I feel like my issue also is because the video that she stitched her video onto, it's a mixed race girl who's got this dark skin, um, dark skinned boyfriend. Um, and she makes um, videos on OnlyFans, like um, sex content on OnlyFans. And so essentially you're shaming a sex worker because you're like, how dare she have a man? That's, imagine that's what you've reduced her life to. How dare she have the bare kind of minimum, as it were. We don't know anything about this guy, but how dare she have a seemingly supportive man and I'm here and I've done all of these things and I haven't shown my front on, um, on the internet, you know. I haven't shown myself getting walked out on the internet, but I don't have a man. Well, maybe you need to show yourself getting walked out then because it's clearly working for her. But it's the fact that what I'm hearing you say, <laughs> this is me, my therapist voice. What I'm hearing you say is that you would like for women who are sex workers to not be partnered, 
to not be loved. So I invite you to redirect that energy inwardly. Which parts of yourself that are just dying to express themselves sexually are you shaming and condoning violence against them? These are the questions. That's what you need to be asking yourself. Essentially, you're saying that, how dare she have a man? I don't have a man, but she's out here doing what she's doing. Mind your business. Different strokes for different folks, literally strokes. But do you get what I mean? Like, mind your business and leave sex workers alone. Leave them alone. Go and focus on other people. Leave them alone. They're not, that, that's not what you need to be focused on. Do you want her to come and dash you her man? Like, what, what is the issue? It's just really, really sad. It's really, really sad. I know that sometimes you can look around and be like, oh, but I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I'm still here single. What kind of man do you want? Because if you're wanting a man that requires all of those things from you, do you want a partner or do you want a boss? Ask yourself, because it's sounding very higgy. It's all I would say. just sounds very higgy. But yeah, that's now that for So You Might. But I'd actually, I would love to hear your thoughts about that statement because it just, I, I just found it so icky. Nice guys and pick me women are of the same ilk. The entitlement you feel because you're not the worst type of person actually makes you akin to the worst type of people that you're trying to differentiate yourself um, from. So I'd like to hear your views on it because you lot were speaking last week, speaking about whether the, the friend should have given the wife all of that money back when her um the wife's husband was coming onto the friend's only fans and gave her six hundred dollars you were you were talking so um i'd like to i would very much love to hear your views about this week's um question as well so all right well let's get to straw of the week aka suck your mum let's see well this is that so Three-time Olympic champion Tori Bowie's uh, death from childbirth complications underscores the alarming reality that Black women are more likely to face the worst pregnancy-related outcomes in the US, regardless of socioeconomic status. And I feel like that is very, very important to stress. So RIP to um, Tori Bowie's, who, you know, died um, during childbirth. I'm praying for everybody that's pregnant at the moment. Like I pray for safe delivery. I pray, pray for a smooth birthing process for you, that you are divinely protected. And at the same time, I really want to fuck up the system that allows for these deaths to take place because it's ridiculous. People try to say, oh, maybe it's to do with the amount of money you have because you can't get private health care. No, no, because even when you have private health care, Serena Williams had private health care. Beyonce had private health care. Like Alison Felix probably had private health care. So, I mean, they have to pay for their health care regardless. So what are you talking about? What are you saying? And that's just the American examples. In the UK, we know that it's terrible over here as well. So that means that there's clearly something afoot. It's no coincidence that black women are dying during childbirth in America. Black women are dying during childbirth in the UK. Like what, did we imagine it? And then you'll get some motherfucker that wants to come and sit on the couch and they'll be telling you that, oh, there are other things to be looked at. Why don't we look at broken homes? Motherfuck you. <sighs> it says here, three-time Olympic champion Tori Bowie's death from childbirth complications underscores the alarming reality that black women 
are more likely to face the worst pregnancy-related outcomes in the U.S., regardless of socioeconomic status. Bowie was found dead in her home in Winter Garden, Florida, in May. She was estimated to be eight months pregnant and in labour when she died, according to the medical examiner's report released earlier this week. The possible complications included respiratory issues and eclampsia, multiple news outlets reported. In a case, it's a case similar to that of tennis star Serena Williams. Bowie won three medals, including the gold, in track and field in the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. Both athletes were on the international stage, competing at the highest level uh, before being hit with some of the most severe childbirth complications. In an essay last year, Williams, Serena Williams, described nearly dying during the birth of her daughter Olympia in 2017. Despite advances in medicine and technology, the racial gap in who is suffering the most severe consequences of childbirth is growing. Data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention shows Black women had the largest rate increase in the maternal mortality between 2020 and 2021, which experts say was largely due to the coronavirus pandemic exacerbating medical racism already baked into the healthcare system. In 2021, more than 360 Black women died of maternal health causes across the country, up from just over 290 in 2020 and more than 240 the year prior. Um, It's wild. It says here, um, Black women have a very difficult time being heard when they have concerns during their pregnancy. Knowing what to look for during pregnancy can help patients spot early signs of complications and advocate for themselves in doctor's offices, experts say. Um, Elevated blood pressure readings, blurred or spotty vision, and a headache that does not go away with over-the-counter pain relievers could be signs of preeclampsia, and dangerous pregnancy, comp- um, which is a dangerous pe- uh, pregnancy complication that causes high blood pressure. The baby's well-being can often be judged by its movement in the belly. Every baby has a unique pattern, so your second and third child will likely move differently than the first. But everything that feels off or not quite right is worth getting checked out by your doctor. And that's the thing. They say that everything that doesn't feel right is worth getting checked out by your doctor. But you go to the doctors and you're trying to talk or you go to the midwives and you're getting shooed away. Or like, oh, it's not that serious. Go. Something needs to change. Something needs to change immediately. Um, she, um, it's recommended here that you check in, like I said, with the doctor. Um, still, black women are often ignored or dismissed when they speak up. Experts say it transcends our tro- um, socioeconomic status. It transcends your education. It transcends your profession. Patients should trust their bodies and find care providers that will listen. Um, having additional advocates such as family members, friends, midwives and doulas around before, during and after delivery can also help families experience a healthy pregnancy. Um Bowie was found when sheriff deputies conducted a welfare check after she had reportedly not been seen or heard from for several days. It sheds light on what experts know about um, know about when a large percentage of maternal deaths occur, which is during the postpartum period. We know that over half of the maternal deaths happen after the time of delivery and a third are entirely out of the medical space. Uh, we need to think about what we are doing in between when patients are in contact with the medical system. Um, yeah, it's just most pregnancy-related deaths, which include those up to a year postpartum, are preventable. Severe bleeding and infections can contribute to complications. Some states across the country have made moves to expand Medicaid coverage for from a few months postpartum to a full year after childbirth, given the rates of death. 
there is nothing wrong with black people, said Williams. Um, this was also this is another Williams that wrote this piece about why these disparities persist. This is about the downstream consequences and reverberations of systemic racism in our society, about whose voices matter, about who has access to care, and about who and about how toxic stress is experienced within our bodies. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Tori. Like, it's just wild because people will tell you, just be healthy. Just eat healthy and have a healthy pregnancy. Olympians are one of the healthiest people that you're going to find. Top tier athletes, like elite athletes, are the most healthiest that you're going to find. And even they are dying, if not almost dying during childbirth. Come up with another lie. Immediately come up with another lie. You don't want to address what the actual issue is. So you're telling us and talking us around the houses, like, stop. It's ridiculous now. Whew. Well, that's all I wanted to say. That's me. That's me done for this week. I'm done. Um, God, I've got to go do something else in a bit. But it's been great. I, I mean, I didn't feel like I wanted to record today, but I'm glad I did. You know, I'm glad I came through and did what I needed to do. I feel tired. I haven't had a massage from Pendulum Massage in ages. I feel spent. I feel exhausted. I feel like I want her to give me a scalp massage because my scalp hasn't been massaged in forever. So a scalp massage um, and a tummy massage, I think would be really, really good as well because I feel like I hold a lot of tension in my tummy and my shoulders. So I think I want a massage. I'll try and see when I can book that in. I just want to eat cute food and live a cute life, you know? Then instead you get racists shouting at you down the street when you're trying to record a video. And just having to deal with fuckery when you're on TV, it's a lot. I am tired. I'm tired. But I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Like I said, you can pre-order the book. You can get your tickets to the live show. You can join me on Patreon if you want your month ahead readings that are personalised to you. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Well, take care of yourselves and each other are well yeah take care of yourselves and i guess i'll catch you next week catch you on the flip side ah no no because i haven't said <laughs> i've been collecting your car for and this has been sym officially known as say your mind unofficially known as what what that's right suck your mum. okay now really for real catch you on the flip side peace it's the Ben's Punani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy, yo Hard time scrolling for your long trots You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind